short-term rentals have been around for the last 50, 60, whatever, 70 years. Short-term rentals are not a new idea. It's just Airbnb and VRBO sort of made them popular. It's no secret that real estate is one of the best investment vehicles out there. But how can we determine which strategies will best align with our financial ambitions? Well, you've come to the right spot. Whether you're an active real estate entrepreneur, a passive investor, or looking to get into real estate investing, our goal is to provide investors with the insights and strategies for building our portfolios all while protecting our capital. I'm Daniel Nichols, and this is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Daniel Nichols, accompanied by our guest for the week, Alex Jarbo. And today we are the two smart assets. For those not yet familiar with Alex, he is a short-term rental developer and manager and is the founder and CEO of Sargon Investments, where he has the goal of developing 650 cabins in the next three years. On top of that, Alex is the host of the YouTube channel called Alex Builds, where he teaches the ins and outs of short-term rental development and management. Alex, my man, it's great to see you. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely pumped to talk about this. We were talking a little bit uh, before we hit re- record on this, and uh, you know, obviously, I'm I'm bullish on short term rentals right now, so I, I want to hear more about it. I want to pick your brain on it. So this is a perfect episode. Before we do all that, though, we want to hear more about you. So tell us more about your background, your story, and uh, how you got into real estate, man. Yeah, man. So I served in the Marine Corps. I was served four and a half years. I was mainly stationed out of DC. Sort of the last year ish of my enlistment, I decided that I didn't want to reenlist. Um, so I just started picking up a lot of different books and just started like reading about different like topics, whether it be general business topics, leadership topics, real estate, stock market, crypto, everything in between, just seeing what I could get into. Um, I knew I wanted to get in, like go to school after the military, um, but I knew I also wanted to run my own business. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, so real estate really had caught my eye just because just general real estate, it really caught my eye just because I like the control that you have had over it or have over it. Um, with like forced appreciation, all that fun stuff. Um, so I had originally joined a flipping men- mentorship while I was still in the Marine Corps. Okay. And uh, I was like on a group coaching call and the guy who had ran the mentorship uh, had like just briefly mentioned, he was like, yeah, all my long-term wealth is tied into short-term rentals. Like anything I make from the flipping, I just throw, and this is back in like 2015, 16. Wow. And uh, so that really like interested me. I was like, okay, look, I, so I got him on a one-on-one call and I was like, I, yeah, the flipping thing's really cool. I just want to jump straight into the the short-term rental stuff. Um, so he helped me sort of, he taught me how to decide on a market, how to choose the right short-term rental market. Um, so like the day I got out of the military, uh, I drove here where I live now, which is Asheville, North Carolina. I've been here for six, seven years. And um, I just, I got my real estate license, started going to school like part-time while I was, the military was paying for my schooling. And um, got my real estate license and just started looking for a rental for myself. And everything, what I realized was everything was either way out of my price range or it was in my price range. <laughs> um, it was in my price range, but it, it just it wouldn't have done well as a short term rental. There wasn't like right. anything unique about it or there was no draw to it. Um, so after like six, eight months of looking, I just I decided to build my very first my very first real estate investment was a ground up development short term rental that we still own to this day. Um, it was like an 800 square foot A-frame. We can talk about that and what that deal looked like. But one turned into two really quickly, two turned into four, brought on some investor capital after that. And then today we're developing or purchasing like 28, 30-ish, like 28 or 30, I forgot the number. Um, and it, that that roughly comes out to be about $10 million worth of acquisition or development this year. Hoping to triple that next year as well. 
Man, that's a, you know, I just got to be honest, I'm kind of blown away because really for for me as a, as a real estate investor, I got into single family, just long-term rentals at first, right? And development was nowhere in my thought process, right? That was just nothing I was yeah, even yeah. considering because to be perfectly honest, I was scared of that. You know, that was just something that it wasn't even on the radar, man. So how did, how, what was it that gave you the confidence? Obviously you had a, a necessity. You couldn't find what you're looking for. Let's just build it, right? But what were the, did you run any, uh, you know, stumbling blocks while you were doing that? Did you, obviously you probably learned a ton, right? But uh, what was it, yeah, what yeah. gave you the confidence to kind of go forward and just start with development? Yeah. And I, I love talking about the long-term rental stuff. So it's like the, what gave me the confidence to do that was I underwrote it. And after COVID, it's a little bit more difficult to do this, but I underwrote it as a long-term rental. So it's like, if okay. this doesn't work out, I could put in a tenant and it could cash flow five, six, seven hundred dollars a month and still be good to go. Um, so that, that's sort of what gave me the confidence to do that. Another thing was just having a good team around me. When I say team, just people who were helping me. So it's like using a good real estate agent that specifically deals in land acquisition and selling. Um, mm. that's, that's huge. Um, so not just hiring your best friend that just got the, I, I had my own real estate license and I still s- sought the advice of a different real estate agent, um, just because I wasn't well-versed in land. Um, uh, so that gave me confidence and just finding a good GC. Finding a good GC that actually took the time to come out with me was huge. Like, because I don't know what the hell I was looking at when I first started. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing that I would be looking for. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. You know, what? Yeah. I have my hands up in there. Like, this is all, un- I mean, it's fresh, I, right? I grew, I grew up in Detroit where it's like everything is flat or like, so it's <laughs> like, I, I live in the mountains here. So I'm like, everything looked steep to me. So it's like bringing a GC that was like familiar with this yeah. terrain, with this area was was very beneficial when I first started. Absolutely huge. And, you know, I love to hear that, right? Find the right people and, you know, you'll be, you'll be set up correctly, right? I think that's the best way yeah. to go. So, so let's talk about that first property, man. What did you learn from it? Did you get out of it what you wanted to? Like you said, you still own it today. Tell us how it's performing, all that good stuff. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. So that first, uh, that first property was an 830 square foot A-frame. Um, turnkey, again, this is prior to COVID, but turnkey um furnishings land loan costs everything all in was about 250 grand for that last year that property grossed 82 83,000 and it netted 46,000 after debt service um i had originally put in out of my own money if you call it furnishings loan costs down payment everything um a little over 40,000 so like my cash on cash like my roi annualized was like continues to be 100% a year over 100%, which is nutty. Um, You can sort of discount those numbers a little bit when it comes to like uh, development costs and everything, probably about like 20 or 30%. But even if you discount those numbers, you're still looking at what, like a 70% return a year. Um, So yeah, that, that, that was the very first one. I mean, the, the biggest issues I ran into that one is just like when you get into development, just with same thing with anything else, development is very complex and you just don't know what you don't know. There, there weren't, like we'll talk about the YouTube channel later, but like the, the YouTube channel that I have now, the other YouTube channels that exist on short-term rental development didn't really exist when I first started. There weren't any mm-hmm. books on short-term rental management at all. There was maybe one that was written in the nineties. Um, but that, that was the biggest thing. It was just like, I was, I was in the real estate development space. Like you learn with your wallet, like your mistakes <laughs> are 10, 20, $30,000 mistakes. Um, so that was just doing that. Um, that, that, that was the worst thing was just not knowing what I didn't know, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And it, just like you said, that's the tuition, right? I mean, you're going to yeah. you're gonna go in, you're going to have to pay some costs for it, but this is what you learn and you take it and you move on to the next one. And, you know, 
just from what you were telling right there, uh, those are some pretty healthy returns on that one property, man. So that's got to yeah, be it. I mean, obviously, that's a that's a great spark to move into, you know, where you are today. And as you begin to scale, you know, you're just growing this and growing this thing. And it's absolutely beautiful. So talk to us about that. So you started with an A-frame. You said it was about 800 square feet. Um, what kind of property are you developing now? What does it look like? Do you have a strategy for those? Just let's dive into that. Yeah. So we we when I said when I originally talked about like where I came from, um, I just roll. I, I just kept rolling that money into new projects. So. Outside of just the cash flow, we did a cash out refinance, pulled like 40, 50 grand out. Um, and then we built uh, we built two more log cabins, but we also built two more A-frames, which so here's the thing about that first project that I didn't mention. Um, it was it was four acres total, two two acre parcels. And I can do like an entire two hour training on this specific thing alone, but it was four acres, two two acre parcels. Um, I was getting a loan. The, the bank would only land on essentially one parcel. They wouldn't do two parcels for some reason, which actually helped us. So we essentially had to get that one, that two acre, one, two acre parcel to appraise for the purchase price, which we did. And we were able to write a contract for $1 for the other property. So like the adjacent land. Um, I thought that was cool. I never heard of that. Talking yeah. to more and more real estate investors, it's actually pretty normal to do like land investors. Um, so we essentially had like made 40, 50 grand at closing with that land, which we, once that first property was built, we just turned around and used that land as collateral to get another loan, um, to build two more A-frames. And then I just, uh, then I did a cash out refinance on the first one and then, uh, built, uh, two other properties with that. Um, but the types of properties I developed now is like a, anything that's like, I like to say unique Instagrammable properties, properties that mm. people would be proud to put on their social media because that way every single guest that you have essentially becomes your own influencer, right? Where they're posting your property on their social media and promoting your property for you essentially for free. Um, so like in my market, I'm in the woods in the mountains, log cabins tend to, to do really well. Um, A-frames are doing really well right now. Cottages, like, like think of like fairy tale sort of like cottages, all the properties that we develop are like they're permanent foundation stick built houses. And the, okay. the backup plan is just to sell them as normal single family houses mm -hmm. or investments if they don't cash flow property or say if like the count, we, you, you never know, never know what governments are going to do. So like if our county decides to just switch the rules one day, um, that, that there is a safety net built in there just in case. Um, but those are the types of properties we like developing right now is like unique Instagrammable properties that sort of fit our markets. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And, you know, I've seen a, a couple of short-term rentals, you know, that are, like you said, absolutely Instagrammable. Like these things are amazing, right? It's just, uh, it's just one of those things. So love to hear that. So let, let's dive into that uh, a little bit more. So, you know, you mentioned, you know, basically in these markets, if they decide to change just randomly, right, the regulations, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty big risk. Uh, but yeah, in tip, but in typical market, like the markets you're in right now, um, is there anything you do to mitigate that? Because like I said, I live just outside of Denver, right? And they're having some regulation issues with short-term rentals uh, just in these, you know, the surrounding markets and stuff like that. And so buying a short-term rental here, you got to be, you know, you got to, you got to really know what you're doing, right? And so uh, in the terms of the market you're in right now, how are you handling that? Or if you need yeah, to so, at all? I mean, yeah. So when I first started, I just, I went out of my city just out of necessity. I didn't go in the city. I went in the county just because it was cheaper to purchase land there. Right. After COVID, I mean, during COVID, after COVID, that sort of uh, after the lockdowns, that sort of played into our strategy a little more. So um, what I teach now is I don't recommend doing this types of strategy in any type of metro market um, just because it's way when the properties are not going to fit in a metro market, the types of designs that we're doing. 
And then also it's just going to be way more expensive. The regulations are also going to be way crazier. Gotcha. So I always recommend to people is I always recommend starting in your backyard. When I say backyard, I say like one to two hours away. Um, but think of an area that people are vacationing to in your city that are take their people are taking like extended weekend vacations to mm. the two extreme examples I have to use are like New York City people drive up to upstate New York every weekend if they can to stay up there. And then on the other side of the country, you have like San Diego people travel to Big Bear Lake to to stay there all the time. Um, so trying to the, uh, there's hundreds of these pocket markets that exist throughout the whole country. And what I've realized is with these pocket markets the short-term rental regulations are a little bit less strict because mm. short-term rentals existed in these markets prior to Airbnb and VRBO. So that's the strategy is investing in markets where essentially short-term rentals have been around for the last 50, 60, whatever, 70 years. Um, because short-term rentals are not a new idea. It's just Airbnb and VRBO sort of made them popular, right? Um, the, the, the way that we book these properties has changed, but short-term rentals have just been around forever. So investing in markets that have historically had short-term rentals is a really good hedge against like short-term rental regulations that could just randomly happen. Like if you look at like Gatlinburg, Pitch and Forge, which I consider sort of a saturated market right now, though there are HOAs that exist specifically to protect short-term rentals in those markets. So it's like finding those little pocket markets is what I recommend doing to help you hedge against short-term rental regulations. Yeah, that's a great tip. I remember, so I grew up in Oklahoma. We talked about this a little before the show, but I grew up in Oklahoma and there's a market in Southeast Oklahoma that, you know, back in the day, they had short-term rentals, but there, again, there was no Airbnb at that time. There was right. no VRBO, any of that stuff. They were just managed by whoever owned them, right? And maybe a small property management company in the area, but uh, none of that. And I remember thinking like, oh, I'd love to own one of these, right? And then, so, you know, fast forward 15 years later, man, I got to tell you, the just the land prices and the property prices, absolutely skyrocketed right because yeah, yeah. and, and that market is heavily dependent on the income you get like all the taxes and all the stuff you get from from uh the short-term rentals so uh that like you said those kind of markets probably safe right you want to be investing in something like those just because you know they're kind of the lifeblood of that economy uh that local economy so why not you know purchase a property yeah, the, the, the government that local government like whatever that market that you're talking about it's like that local government is not going to kill their tax revenue if that's yeah. the main tax revenue right especially after COVID and the, the all the money that we spent and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so let's dive into that. So we're talking about, you know, regulation is kind of a risky thing, but obviously you can be mitigated by just investing in the right markets and all that stuff. What other trends are you seeing in terms of short-term rentals right now? Obviously we're kind of in turbulent times, you know, the Fed's trying to fight inflation, the rising, you know, interest rates are going up. Um, you know, people are talking about recession, all this stuff. How are you seeing... Uh, short-term rentals perform right now? And are you seeing any trends in terms of like, you know, just the capital properties or where people are going or it, are, are they still performing the way that they were say six, 12 months ago? Yeah. So when I first got into my business, this business, I looked at 2008 and nine, what happened to, to like um, travel, traveling and like sure. uh, extra income that people had and stuff. And I mean, it, it's the same thing that I'm starting to see now. Like people are starting to say it on like interviews like this, where it's like, people don't stop traveling. They just take shorter trips. Instead of taking that one week, two week trip to Europe, they take maybe an extended weekend vacation anywhere between an hour or two away. That's why that pocket market strategy is very powerful. Um, we have seen a drop in our occupancies, but that was expected. It It's the same It's the same thing like when you look at like real estate agents, 
or listing a property, it's not normal to get 20 or 30 offers in the first three hours of the property being listed. It's the same thing here. It's, it wasn't normal to be, it was cool when it happened, like when you're (laughs) occupied 95%, 98%. But I mean, we underwrite our properties at like 70 to 85%, depending on what type of property we're looking at. Um, So that's where our occupancies are at right now is like 80, 85% which is comfortable. If you look at, and when I first started, like the books behind me, there are hotel textbooks behind me that like that, those were the only resources that existed was like, okay, there isn't anything on short-term rentals, but let me study hospitality. Let me study hotels. Let me study resorts. And they underwrite their prop. They're, they're, they're considered doing well if they're at like 60 to 70% occupancy. So that's, that's where you should be. When you're underwriting your properties, that's what you should be looking at. Um, is like, can I cash flow if I'm at 60, 70%? Um, so that's that's sort of what I'm seeing. I've, I've seen I've definitely seen a slowdown in occupancy of like ten to fifteen percent. But I mean that that was that was expected. Um, so that, that's that's I don't see people stop traveling. I mean, it's funny we we talked uh, we before we started recording. I talked about how I write for Bigger Pockets. One thing uh, there was an article that I just wrote that that was like the top article on the website. And one of the things I said is just be careful who you're taking advice from. Because a lot of these people who are hopping on these podcasts, hopping on these news stations that are like touting like the end of short-term rentals have like short-term rental funds. It's like, why would they be <laughs> trying to destroy their own business? It's like they're they're trying to get people out of the market. And I mean, we're we're investing incredibly heavily right now. I mean, we haven't stopped. We've we've seen discounts in our properties, which we didn't see eight months ago, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, interest rates have gone up, but they've also gone down as we're recording right this i'm pretty sure residential interest rates went down yesterday yep. so it's like we're you see these three quarter interest rate hikes and it's like they make the news freaking market crashes that day but it's like you you don't really see anything from like the interest rate drops so it's like just be careful who you're like taking advice from in terms of short-term rentals um i'm we're investing heavily and i don't really see short-term rentals going away the way we're investing Absolutely. I think short-term rentals are, are obviously here to stay because like you said, they've been here for a long time, well before Airbnb and VRBO, all that good stuff. So they're going to be here for a while. Um, the one thing I would say, you know, you mentioned occupancy and seeing a little drop in occupancy and how you basically already had this baked in, right? Because they were extremely high before. But in, in terms of that, do you think that's more of a, something that has to do with the economy or something you're seeing just based off of regular seasonality when it comes to a hospitality product like short-term rentals? Yeah, dude, and th- that's a phenomenal question. That's one thing I talked about in the Bigger Pockets article is like what I saw in the last like six months was almost like a perfect storm. Was like you had the interest rates, you had people the you had people that were that stopped working from home. That was a big portion of that. Was mm-hmm. the reason why we were able to be occupied between Monday and Thursday as people were traveling while they were working from home. So it was a perfect storm of interest rate hikes. People like sort of reduce it, like just companies reducing like making people come into office um seasonality it's like we're in the winter right now as the interest rate thing is happening as the correction is happening um i think it was just a perfect storm of all of that that attributed to where we are right now the market that i'm in right now man i like to invest in mountain markets because they tend to be a little bit less seasonal if you look at some of the log cabins that we own they're they're occupied or they're people are booking for january february march same thing they are for december because nothing really gets more iconic than like (laughs) <laughs> a log cabin in the winter in the mountains, right? Um, where the property becomes the attraction during the winter. And then during the summer, the market becomes the attraction. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I couldn't agree more. Obviously, I, you know, I live in the, I live in a mountain region and that's kind of one of my draws is like, dude, this is like yeah. the perfect landscape for that. Right. It's why it's so popular out here. And just like where you are, it's, it's why it's so popular. And so I absolutely love short-term rentals. I love staying there. When I travel, I stay at a short-term rental. That's just, that's just my preference. Right. It's just one of those things right. that has been for a long time at this point. Absolutely. You pay, love 50, it. You pay $50 extra a night to, to ha- instead of a hotel room, you have a house. Like, it's it's so much yeah. nicer, especially if you have a group of people, right? It's just one of right. those things that makes it uh, significantly easier. Yeah, and you have all the amenities. You have a ton of amenities, right? Depending on the property, yeah. but typically these are very nice properties. Uh, so absolutely love to hear that, man. Um, so you know we mentioned seasonality and all that stuff, and you know all these things that you're seeing in in short term rentals. The one thing that I kind of want to the hammer on is the reason I think well you mentioned it earlier, but the drivability of these, these markets that you're investing in. Right. And so Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you don't have to fly, you know, obviously we had the COVID issue and obviously you can't get on a plane or whatever. That was an issue. Right. But at the same time, if I need to drive an hour or two away, that's easy. You know, I just hop in the car, take off and I can go on a vacation. Like you said, for a weekend, it doesn't need to be a week. I mean, it can be, but it doesn't have to be, but I just go for, just yeah. drive off. I don't have to hop on a plane. I don't have to drive to the airport. I have to deal with TSA and all that good stuff. Right. Um, I can just hop in a car. So I think that when you when you look at it in terms of if you're thinking about a recession, if I'm going to go on vacation during recession, that's probably going to be you know something I look to first, right? Just something yeah, that's mar- down markets the road. that have regional airports that tend to do really well because even people who are flying to those regional airports are still renting a car and driving around. So that like for for like drive drivability of markets is is really key when it comes to like both seasonality, but also how far away you can invest. Because if you go 30 minutes outside of my city, people are still booking properties 30 minutes outside because to them, they're driving. There's not really a big difference between a 15 minute drive and a 30 minute drive in my market. Right. Yeah. 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 That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, so I'm, again, I'm just super bullish on short term rentals. So I love having this conversation, but I do, I do yeah. want to end on kind of something that I think is, is an interesting thing. Right. So I've, I've talked to a lot of people in the short term rental space, usually uh, people that have, you know, multiple properties, maybe a small uh, mid-sized uh, portfolio, uh, large portfolio, people much like yourself. Um, you know, a lot of when I first started staying in short-term rentals, right? It was just all mom and pop owners like we talked about before, right? And, you know, being a mom and pop owner, uh, whether it's a single family, long-term rental or a short-term rental or whatever, right? Uh, there can be a lot of balls dropped in that market and, you know, whatever it is with that property, right? Just just inefficiencies of running the property, all that stuff. Yeah. So, but when you have scale, like what you're doing right now, you guys are able to take this thing to the next level and really be able to generate returns, all that good stuff and really take this thing. To the next. Are you finding that uh, to be true that, you know, as you guys begin to scale, you're being able to separate yourself from these mom and pop owners who are doing it uh, by themselves or whatever. Yeah, I mean the the it, it's funny that you say that though because it's like to me, I mean it it was difficult to make that transition from like a onesie and twosie owner to like actually running an actual hospitality business. Sure. But at the end of the day, it was just about finding the right tools and automation outside of finding the right mm-hmm. people, finding the right tools that can automate your messaging and hiring people uh, to, to handle your messaging and just sort of, you, you have the four hour work week behind you sort of yeah. taking yourself out of the business there. Um, that, that was key. I mean, it, it, again, there were growing pains there for about three to six months to do that. But once we made that switch and found the right, like property management software, I mean, it, it was very seamless. Like looking back at it, I wish I would have done it way earlier. And I would say to those mom and pop owners, like, I don't really, there's not a huge difference between my business and those. It's just, they're missing a couple tools and a couple people to help them to take them to the next step. 
Yeah, I, I think that's huge, right? Because if you're able to automate, really, you know, kind of take some of these tasks out of your hands, those balls aren't going to get dropped and you're going to be able to be much more effective, much more efficient, all that stuff. The one thing, okay, I, I said that was the last question, but I got to ask. Yeah, one you're more, good, man. Uh, so, so I'm a passive investor. I started off as an active investor. We still do some active stuff, but I really like to focus on the passive because my velocity of money can be a lot faster because I don't have to go out and look for deals. That was really the 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 pinch point for me at a while was like, finding good deals, you know? So I was like, let me go just partner with other people who are finding good deals. I'll dump some capital in their deals, get a return. And now I don't have the headache, right? So I think for a number of passive investors that I've been talking to recently, they want to be in the short-term rental space, but they also want to be passive as much as they can, right? And Absolutely. so I know I know you probably teach a lot about this. And like you said, setting up automation and like something like that. But somebody who's looking to be passive, what does that look like for them? And how can they take advantage of short-term rentals? Yeah, it's. I mean, right now there's only I would say a handful of short-term rental funds out there. I've teamed up with a couple of them to to sort of place capital in my deals, um, but the returns are rel not the returns. The structure is relatively the same when you're looking at multifamily self storage. You get a preferred return, you get some sort of equity split, and then sure. you you sort of just forget about it. You, you get a check every month or every quarter, um, and it, it's the same thing. So. Um, what's nice is the, the, what I've found, and this is why I've teamed up with the specific funds I've teamed up with is I love teaming, teaming up with the funds that made the transition from one real estate class to the next, because they're not starting fresh. They're not sure. just going, okay, I saw this guy create a, a multifamily fund. I'm going to create a short-term rental fund and figure it out from there. So like the two funds I've teamed up with, they were mainly multifamily funds and they, they started their own short-term rental fund. So their investors are already used to sort of the types of returns that you get from multifamily. And it's like, if you can offer 2013 returns today, but but just using short-term rentals, I mean, it's it's so easy to raise capital that way. And that's sort of just been the secret sauce to that. Yeah, I think I think it's absolutely beautiful because you know you hear a lot of people when they get into passive investing, it's the it's a tried and true stuff, right? You got multifamily, you got you got self storage, those type of things, right? And you know, for me personally, I've invested in a ton of those deals, but the idea of being able to invest passively in a short term rental fund to me is so attractive. It's hard to contain yeah. my excitement. And if more, I'm being honest, more and more of those multifamily funds are are starting a short term rental fund. So that's what I recommend doing is finding one of those funds. Um, that already has experience in other real estate classes that you can just invest in the short-term rental stuff because you already trust them or there's yeah. they already have a track record. I love that tip, man. That's a, that's a great tip. All right, dude. So listen, I could, I could probably go on for days asking you questions, but you know, I got to be respectful of your time and all that good stuff. But before we get out of here, man, tell the listeners more about anything else you have going. Tell us about your YouTube channel, man, what that's all about. Give us the ins and outs of that and uh, anything else. Yeah. So um, my YouTube channel, I created it like last year. Um, I didn't really do anything with it for the first like three months, but uh, in the last eight months, uh, we, I've really gone hard on like posting three times a day. And it just, it I essentially sat down and was like, okay, what do you want this YouTube channel to be? And, and I'm essentially created the YouTube channel that I wish I had when I first started. Yeah. So it's like, um, we talk about development, we talk about management, everything that you need to know for short-term rental development and management in that course or in, in that uh, YouTube channel. And uh, if you guys are looking to invest, um, I'm not actively raising capital, but um, I can push you guys to the right people. If you guys want to connect with me on LinkedIn, um, I can push you to the funds that I'm working with that they can just qualify you guys and it'd be good to go when it comes to the passive investing side. So if you're looking to do it yourself, you can go through the YouTube channel. Um, and then if you're looking to invest passive, just reach out to me on LinkedIn, um, Bigger Pockets. I'm pretty active in comment section of my own YouTube videos. I'm pretty active in and I can push you towards the right funds. 
Awesome, man. I love it. I love yeah. that you can, you know, provide value to anybody who's doing short term, whether it's passive or active. I think that's great. The one thing I would say is I know a bunch of people who are looking to be active uh, in that yeah. space. What can they expect? I mean, obviously, you go through a lot of stuff, development, management, all that stuff. But what can they expect to dive into your content on that YouTube channel in terms of uh, being an active uh, short term rental um, operator, basically? Yeah, I mean, it's it's everything. The biggest thing is going to be the land acquisition is what gotcha. I say. So it's like um, what you're going to be learning is the content goes back and forth between management after you have your property and then also the development piece. So I'm going on site and, and showing you guys my actual properties. Hey, we just broke ground on these two a frames and this is what it looks like and blah, blah, blah. Um, so that's what you guys can expect is, Oh crap. Like this is what it looks like when you actually break ground and clear 30, 40 trees. Um, so that's, that's where the content is at. It's just talking about that. Um, we do have a coaching program, but honestly, I I push people to my YouTube channel first. And if they feel confident that they want to take the next step, then they can. Awesome, man. Absolutely love to hear it. Alex, we're going to make sure to put all this stuff in the show notes. Highly recommend everybody who's listening to the show right now. Go check out Alex's YouTube channel and anything else that's going on. Absolute fire stuff. Alex, man, this has been amazing. Thanks again for being on the show today. Hey, real quick before we get out of here, do me a huge favor and leave a rating and review for the podcast. We're always looking to bring you guys the best insights and strategies for building our real estate portfolios and your ratings and reviews really help with getting top guest speakers that are the best in the real estate investing business. I promise this will only take you a few seconds and I'd really appreciate it. Thanks for being awesome, guys. Cheers.